talk this morning about resolutions because it is seven days into the new year. But first, just a couple more things about the grand opening. You ready? Just this. We've already talked about it a couple of times this morning. It's really a, a word of encouragement. It's low-hanging fruit to invite somebody to come. It's really easy because people are curious. They want to see the building. Now, I, I, I hope they love the building, but what I really hope they love is the relationships that they have with you. And so use it as a chance to say, hey, we've got this unbelievable new place, and why don't you come with us? And we're going to have a, we're going to have a great time every time we're in here, but it's a, it's a launch pad, and we'll have most of the construction done by then, but we're launching on that day no matter what. So, yes, invite the world. And we're going to we'll have two worship services, and we'll cram people in here, and we'll just have a great time. So take advantage of this opportunity. It's a way for you to engage in a, in a small but really obvious way with somebody who you care about, who you think is interested in this building. Is just And come a few minutes early so you can hang around. Or stay a few minutes late so you can show them around. So there you have it. It's, it's a, just a fantastic thing for us to be able to do this together and celebrate in this way. <clears throat> so... There you see it, fail-proof resolutions. It's the season of New Year's resolutions, and um, I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm some big New, Year, uh, New Year's resolution person, but I've, I've made a couple, and I, my, my guess is that you are like I am. Uh, you have things about, mostly I think when we think about resolutions, we think about money, and we think about health, probably, and we think about relationships, family, probably. Those are probably the three biggest categories. And you may have made some kind of promise to yourself. And my guess is, if you did, you've blown it already. <laughs> I did. So and there, there is this thing that one person called the four horsemen of the industrialized food apocalypse. I'm going to say that again for you. The four horsemen of the industrialized food apocalypse. Would you like to know what they are? You're not going to like this. Alcohol, sugar, highly processed, simple protein. What was my fourth one? Alcohol, sugar. I forgot what the fourth one is. It'll come up in a minute. So I, I have been eating like I'm going to the chair, crispy, salty, industrialized food, apocalypse, horseman, processed, simple proteins, I mean, simple carbohydrates like potato chips. And so I made a resolution to quit doing it. And so that was Sunday was New Year's Eve. Monday was New Year's Day. Tuesday, I blew it already. <laughs> so you, you and I, we're, this says fail proof. You, you and I probably are fail certain. <laughs> I'll speak for myself. I think it's just not possible for me to make a promise and to keep it. And that's okay. It's the human condition. Here's what usually happens for us. And I wanted to, I, I was, I didn't know this song that we just sang as news and so I wrote some of the words down. This is what I want you to do this morning. I want you to feel something about how you're going to depend on the fail-proof resolution that God has made to you and to me. And we just sang about it. You, I want you with me, I want us to want this together, to be connected to the God who will never fail. And his resolution is everlasting and has never failed and will never fail, though ours do. Uh, change happens for most of us. It's incremental. Uh, for instance, with the new year, it's seven days in. My guess is that most of your habits, most of my habits, didn't change very much. 
I mean, it's just another day in the year. And so change is incremental. There are inflection points in our lives, dramatic things that happen, things that are very difficult, things that are great, loss of life, new job, loss of a job, a new relationship, the ending of a relationship, all that kind of stuff really has dramatic impact. But most of our lives and most of the change in our lives is incremental. And when we make promises to change something on New Year's and then we see it crumble within a month, the gym memberships, you know, the Y where I work out is packed. <laughs> but by February, there ain't going to be nobody in there. You know, you shoot a cannon down the middle of the room, won't hit anybody. And so that's, that's okay. That's the way we are. And people mean well and they want it. And we just sang that in the song that, that Matt just taught us. I know who I am and I can't stay where I'm at. Did you catch that line? And then a theological impulse in the song. You're, you're not done with me yet, God. So God will make changes, and God's resolution to us is fail-proof, and that is just simply the case. <clears throat> and underneath this inclination we have that's cultural to make resolutions, listen to the question that's lurking and I think it's really important to learn how to ask good questions when we want to be people who are following Jesus. Asking good questions and the better questions helps us to get more and more clear about who we are and who God is. So here's a really great question, I think, that's underneath this whole thing that happens with us about New Year's resolution. The question is this, what kind of person am I becoming? Let it sink in. What kind of person am I becoming? And I think you wouldn't be in this room right now. I wouldn't be here if I didn't want to become a person who was different. But let, let's continue to think about it a little bit more theologically. What kind of person am I becoming? And then, biblically speaking, here's what the person I'm becoming, God wants to make us. The fail-proof resolution of God is to do this. Am I becoming more or less like Jesus? And that's a powerful question, but that is what God is up to. God's resolution is to take up residence in us, never, never failing in loving us. And God will make us into the men and women that he created us to be. And it turns out that we look more and more like Jesus in the way Jesus is and treats people and what he does when we follow him. And that's what God's promise is to do. And it doesn't matter if you and I stumble because God never stumbles. So what we're in here celebrating this morning and what we celebrate every time we gather is we're celebrating the fact that God's love for us and God's transformational power inside us, his presence in us, in the Holy Spirit, all of that makes us different people, new people. What kind of a person am I becoming? I'm becoming more and more the person that God made me to be. And so that's, what, that's why we're here and that's what we're celebrating. <clears throat> There's always a problem and if, if God is fail-proof, we are fail-certain. And that's, that's a New Year's resolution language a way of saying what is the case with human beings. What is our human condition? So when we, when we ask the question with honesty, what kind of a person am I becoming? Am I becoming more or less like Jesus? Immediately what comes to me, what I experience about myself is I constantly fail. I'm over and over again getting it wrong. I'm over and over again choosing what I want. I'm over and over again, sometimes benignly, sometimes not so benignly, really resisting God and keeping God out. And the, theologically, we have a simple three-letter word for that. We call it sin, S-I-N. And what sin, sin gets a bad rap in the sense that we misunderstand it. We think that God is somehow waiting to see us do something wrong so he can nuke us. 
And that's not, what, that's not the point. The point is that take the, take the powerful image in chapters 1, 2, and 3 of the Bible, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. What happens is God creates us and puts us in a garden. He says, I made you in my image, and you're going to be my partner in everything. I'm going to put you in charge of it, like he's done with us, with this family, with this building, and this new campus, and all of that. God, we're God's partners. But here's, there's a tree of life, and there's a tree of the knowledge and good and evil in that garden. And the tree of life means life. We live forever. Nothing is wrong. Everything's fantastic. And we're partnering with God and we're making things and we're serving and we're loving. And yet the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, we're tempted to pick the fruit off of it and eat it. And what that means is, it means we decided that we could decide what's good and not good. And we don't need God's help to do it. We put ourselves at command central about what's good and what's not good, how we should live, how not. And inevitably, every time a human being does that, sooner or later, there's relational vandalism. Somebody gets hurt. In the story in the Bible, page four, Cain murders his brother Abel. And it never gets any better until Jesus. And that's that's the problem. That's why we who are fail-certain need a God who is fail-proof. And that's what I want you to soak up today. I want you, I want you to want this for me. I want it for you. I want you to want me to, every, with everything I have, to ask the question, what kind of a person am I becoming? Am I becoming more and more like Jesus, more or less? I want to be, that's who I want to be. And I want you, I want that for you. And I want us to want that for each other. And to let that be a way that helps us in our relationships. Just a couple of passages to help us all remember that God promised to take up residence in us. He promises to love us. He is fail-proof. He will, never, he will never quit loving us. And God's, this is just almost like a random two or three passages. But let's go to the first one. This comes from the book of Lamentations. It's a book in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Lamentation chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. Re- look at it. Just, uh, just let yourself sense how much God loves you. And how much you can't, you cannot do anything. Nothing. Even the things that you don't want anyone to know. The shadow of who we are. Because we have shadows in our lives. The shadow of who you are. Even the shadow is known to God. And you're loved by God. Period. Because of the Lord's great love. And there in the Hebrew text, chesed. This word that's hard to translate into one English word. Everlasting love, never-ending love, covenant love. Because of the Lord's great chesed, we are not consumed. You may feel like your failures are consuming you, but they're not. And it's not because of you. This is not self-help. This is God fail-proof loving us. Because of God's great love for his compassions never fail. God never quits on us. In one day, I ate crispy croutons on the top of a salad. <laughs> His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. And then the writer jumps up into sort of an, a, a celebration and says, great is your faithfulness. And that's what we're doing when we're singing. When we sing in this room, and there's a simple, what you're doing, what I'm doing, is I'm saying, you're so great. And you know, it, it's just, that's just a natural response to knowing that we're loved in spite of who we are. And we, we'll, we will always make mistakes and stumble. We will always rebel against God. We will always choose to do it our own way. And God will always pick us up and love us. His faithfulness is great. And he is never, ever, ever. 
kind of stop loving us. So there, a passage from the, the Old Testament that helps us to be encouraged. Be encouraged by this. It wouldn't bother me one bit. It wouldn't bother me one bit. Matt Reimer told you not to worry about taking notes when he was telling you because it's all on the flyer. This is not on a flyer. Get Lamentations 3, 22 and 23 and put it on your calendar or something right now. But here's another one. Don't quit. Leave it out. Paul's letter to the Christians in the little town of Philippi, northern Greece. And he writes these words. And I want you to understand that this, he's writing to a family of faith. He's, not, he's writing to individuals, but his pronouns are plural. When he says you, he means plural, you plural. It's really clear in the Greek language when yous are plural and when they're singular. It's not clear in English. I just, we always think it's individual, and of course it is, but it's individuals in the context of real relationships in the family. So Paul says this, he's confident. He was confident, he's confident now, and he will stay confident. You with me? Was, is, and will be. That's the, what, how the tense of that verb is in the Greek text. I am confident of this, that he, that is the almighty God of the universe, Jesus Christ, enthroned, who began a good work in you, making you family and you individuals in the family, making you into the person who's more and more like Jesus. He began that good work in you, and he will bring it to completion. He will get you across the finish line. Church of, my, church of my Jesus followers in Philippi. Church of my Jesus followers in Tampa. He's going to get you across the line. You're not going to get yourself across the line. I'm going to get you across the line. And he's going to keep at it until Jesus returns and puts all things new again. So Paul can say all of that as words of encouragement when people, it's rough out there. It was rough for Jesus followers in the first century in Philippi. It was rough for Jesus followers in the first centuries in Rome and Ephesus and Colossae, and it's rough now. There's lots of stuff that's hard in our lives, but Paul says, I'm confident. <clears throat> so he's failed proof. There's one last really cool thing as a word of encouragement. When you ask the question, how do you look more and more like Jesus, Paul anticipates us asking the question, and this is what he says. He says, there's fruit in your life. And he means literally fruit, and these people would all have been around vineyards, grapes, and vines, and stuff like that. He says, going to be fruit in your life. In the letter that he wrote to the people in the region called Galatia, we call the letter Galatians. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, 23. And Paul says, the fruit of the Spirit, and what he means by that is, it's not self-help. God takes up residence in us. We have a part to play, which is saying, okay, I'm all in. I want to be there. That's what I said about five minutes ago. I want you to want this for me. And I want this for you. So just wanting it is, is getting it where God can use it. So God takes up residence. And he's present in us, and that's a lot of what it means, Holy Spirit means. And here, look what happens. The fruit of God being present in us, transforming us, making us more and more like Jesus. What's the fruit? Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, peace. Left one out. Love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you, let's pick patience out. That might be, if you were going to make a New Year's resolution, I'm going to be more patient with my spouse. I'll, I, I guarantee you, if that's your resolution, you're going to fail in 12, 15 minutes. <laughs> you just are. Well, I'll speak for myself. Because, see, it's not about the result of being patient. How in the world would you make yourself more patient? I would have no idea how you would do that. But what I do know is this. If I start to let the Lord take residence in me and start to talk to God about Kathy and start to talk to God about me wanting to be different, 
all of a sudden I went, wait a minute, look what happened. I was just patient. So I don't, I don't think he's saying go work really hard and grind on these. Because it's, 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 yes, cooperating with God. But it's the fruit that happens when we stay connected to him. Our job is not to try to be patient. Our job is to stay connected to Jesus. You're a, you, are, you stay connected to him and then he'll make this happen. He's a, a branch of, on, a, on a vineyard doesn't make grapes. The, uh, the branch just hangs out and the grapes get pushed out by the plant. The plant makes the grapes. So that's what he's saying here. And so be encouraged. Be encouraged that in Lamentations 3, we're told that God's love is never ending, everlasting, and God will never quit on us. And therefore, we can be grateful and we say, thank you, you're awesome. And then Paul promises that the thing that God has started in us, and again, it's a family he starts us as a family and individuals in it. It's both. And we, we in the West, we have trouble with that. We, have, we, have, we mostly go immediately and individualize. I do. So, but let, it, let us embrace. When we say real relationship, friend, it's countercultural. Because when we say real relationships with each other, we mean it. The Bible means it. The New Testament means it. It's, it's about a family. God is making a big new family. So when Paul is saying, I'm confident that this family and you individually as members of it, he's going to get us across the finish line. And it's not self-help. It's the mighty God of the universe getting done what he wants to get done. And we get to participate in it. That's really pretty That's cool right there. And then the fruit of the Spirit is just one illustration out of the Bible, out of the New Testament, about the kinds of changes that happen in people's lives when we take up residence, when God takes up residence in us. So I, I want you to want this. Here's a word of encouragement. I, what kind of a person do I want to be? And I think, I think that God loves it when you address yourself to God and say, God, I want you. It's not about performance. Yeah, God will get out of you what God needs to get out of you. That's, that God will use you because you have gifts and talents. But it's not about performance, it's about wanting God and, and staying close and pressing in and leaning in and just opening our hearts up and saying, I want you. And every time I say that, and I said it to some guys on Thursday morning and they all smiled because it just sort of takes the pressure off, doesn't it? I mean, I want to want it, even just wanting to want it. You see what I mean? I may not want it, but I can want to want it. And you, you can want that for yourself, but also for your friends. So when you take the low-hanging fruit and inviting somebody to come here, what I want you to really be doing is wanting for them to want it. And God will use you relationally in a natural, normal, caring, loving way to help the people you love who don't have a, this vibrant thing going on with God to help them. And with the, you, God will use you if you ask. I promise you. And you don't have to do anything weird. You just have to be your normal self. But wanting to want it and then wanting it, those are just so great. And it really does take all the pressure off. This is not a checklist of performance. It's about a relationship. And you, God will make you and make me into new people. He's not done with me yet is the line that came in the song in one of the courses that Matt just taught us. So I'm going over some old territory now. I want to repeat these are really concrete things that you and I can do. Little ways that we can do to help God. If you say to God, I want it. At first, as we've been talking about the following kinds of things. We got four of them. I want to say a couple of things about one or two of them. We talk about, <clears throat> excuse me, got a little bit of cold going on. 
We talk about pursuing Jesus. We talk about connecting with people. We talk about playing your part. We talk about multiplying. Multiply. I'll just pick that one. I, a really concrete way that you can say, God, I want you, and I want to want you, and I want to help us multiply. And I, we've already talked about it now the third time. Low-hanging fruit. Invite somebody to come to see this new place. So that's one way that you can be a part because uh, reminding you that God wants the family of his people, of Jesus' followers, to be such in relationships that every single person on the planet comes to experience this never-failing, fail-proof resolution from God that God loves us. Every person on the planet. And that's what we're a part of. And that's what it means for us to be his partners in that unbelievable mission. So you can be a part of Multiply. You don't have to be a religious weirdo. And you don't have to speak to strangers about things that are really intense and intimate. You don't have to do that. Just invite somebody to come here. And then be available relationally to kind of go down the road of life and faith with them. <clears throat> Let's talk about play your part a minute. Play your part means, we, I, I earlier when I was giving back to God, talked about time, talent, and, tre and treasure. And what I think I mean with play your part is using what God has given you to make something happen. And really, really easy illustration, serve day. So you have, the, you have things that your heart may be nudged to buy one of the 32 projects. I don't know. But you can go and sign up and serve day. Or you can, we have parochial, not, that's not, not the right word. We have first prayers stuff that we do that's serving people that need help. We have the dream team in here. We have all this stuff that needs to happen in order for us to be able to do what we do Monday through Sunday. And yeah, you, you may be really cool. You, there may be something you want to learn to do. We're in this room right now with the, the technology or greeting people or whatever or go, helping with with foster love or created or whatever but playing your part means I'm going to get my time I'm going to get my passions and I'm going to go and engage and I'm doing it because I'm giving it back to God and if you just say to God God how do you want to use me in your world to make your family a family of loving relationships and to make your family bigger I promise you God will nudge you in a direction where you can use it <clears throat> connect with people we around here talk about groups all the time. You got this flyer. It's underneath in the little thing. Isn't it cool that we got new chairs in the room? We got little places where we can put stuff, and it's not falling all over the floor. And, you know, again, we, we're, we're just learning how to do this, and we'll, over time we'll figure out what's the exact right number of things to have in there. But this morning, every other chair has one of these. And I don't know if you know this or not, but when you walk out the doors, you'll see all of this on that wall. And we will, by the time we finish, the wall will also have service opportunities like created, like feeding the hungry, like foster love and those kinds of things. They'll be out there also where you can quickly get to it and find a way to go and engage. <clears throat> Just a, a few more things about groups, though. It could be a group of one other person. Maybe think of a motorcycle. You and one other person riding a motorcycle. It could be one or two, it could be two or three other people. Think of your group of people who you trust as being like a car. Or it could be a life group that has eight or 10 or 12, like a van. So in motorcycles and in cars and in vans, one or the other or all three, maybe all three, what we're doing here is we're allowing people to know who we are and we are also knowing who they are and we're giving and taking in the joy and in the difficulty and in the satisfaction and the celebration and the struggle. We pray for each other with knowledge and detail. We have this thing here called life groups. We have things called mentoring. And these are places where people are building relationships where you can really talk in a setting where you know it's safe, 
where you know it's going to be okay to be whatever you are and where the people you're there in the room with. And if you want to know how God is going to make you into the person that he wants you to be, those people are going to be the part of the way it happens. It's been that way for me. I've been in groups for so long. I've, I've been in groups since I was 18, without exception. And I just wouldn't be the same. That's how Jesus is, one of the ways that I, Jesus has been making me into the person I'm becoming. And I'm looking around the room and I see so many of us who I know are in groups where the group is making a difference in your life because you feel, you feel like these people care about you and there's no, no pretense and we just, we're ourselves and we hang out and we get to learn faith and we have scripture in the middle of the group helping us learn. So I want you to ask that good question. Who am I becoming? What kind of a person? And I want you to add to it what's the biblical component of the question, which is, am I becoming more or less like the person Jesus wants me to be? Which looks a little bit like him. You start following him, get close to him, you'll look a little more like him. That's the point. And I want us to want it. And I want you to love me enough to want it for me. And I do love you enough, I want it for you. And I wouldn't bother me one bit if you ask me how it's going, and I'll, I would be happy to ask you how it's going, somebody, ask somebody how it's going. That's the point of the relationship. That's the way that we can be loving each other in a way and helping us move it forward. <clears throat> One of the things that we get to do when we're in this room is celebrate God's fail-proof resolution to love us, which is this meal. There it is. You see the power of the symbolism here. When you, uh, of the presence, it's a symbol as well as a real thing. When you come up and take the, the um, bread and the grape juice, you're going to be participating in the presence of Jesus in your life. Before we do this, and I remind you of the meaning of what's going on here and how we're going to do it, some, some, uh, some flow chart rules, okay? Because we're new in this room, we're experimenting. And McLean's going to correct me if I do this wrong right now. <laughs> okay, so here's what's going to happen. For those of you in the middle, this middle section, there are going to be four people as you're accustomed, two on this side, two on this side. Those of you in the middle, this half is going to come up here. And you listen to me over here, you're going to go all the way around and come back. But otherwise, there's going to be a traffic jam right there. Okay? And the ushers are going to tell you when to go. The middle, the middle group here, you're going to come up, take this, and then you're going to go all the way around over there. You guys are going to get out of the aisles as the ushers tell you, and you're going to come up here, and you're going to go back around also, right? So I, we think that maybe that will create the least bumpers hitting each other. So we'll see how it works. We good there? So let me remind you, friends, as we have this table before us. Jesus was with these closest of his followers who would end up being the people that led the movement of the Jesus family in the very first days after his resurrection and ascension. And he was with them the night before he was executed. And he took a piece of bread there at the table with them and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. When you eat this, I'm coming into your life and you are announcing by remembering what I've done for you, which is to love you, and it's a fail-proof love. He also, at the table, there after the meal, took a cup. That cup was filled with wine. This is grape juice. He said, this cup represents my blood. My blood is being spilled for you so that you will know that I love you and my love is endless and will never fail you and that I'm making you into a new person. This cup is the cup of the covenant of my blood. It is new life for you. 
So when we eat and when we drink, we're celebrating and we're responding with a yes that says, oh, I wanna be the person that you made me to be. Come to me, inside me, make me over again new. That's what's happening in this table. So I'm gonna invite the ushers to come forward now and then they will, when we're ready and set up, then you will be instructed on how to come forward and, and take the, the bread and the cup.